Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. I'm the number one daily sports podcast network. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Happy Friday, everybody. Matt, I know you've been at uh, Steelers HQ, right, doing some shows, but you're not able to see training camp like normal? It's been odd because I reference my Steelers show a lot, and it's a very popular show. My co-host, Dale Lawley, has a, a really extensive beat writer background, and I kind of bring the different perspective, as you guys, all our listeners know. And it's revved up this week because we're pretty much doing Steeler Nation Radio, which is the, 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 the radio station or whatever network they call it nowadays, is owned by the Steelers. It doesn't sound like, might as well say Steelers.com radio. And we have, from 10 to 8 every day is straight coverage of all of us going. And I'm on from 1 to 3, then I'm on from 6 to 8. And it's crazy and it's fun because it does have that feel like we're ramping up. You know, we saw Ben throw, Coach Tomlin talk, you know, yada, yada. But what's crazy, and this is why I want to bring it up, is it's for all these teams, I haven't seen any practice. You know, usually I'm recording right next to the field in Latrobe and there's practice about to start or they're stretching or I watched yesterday's. I haven't, I'm in a radio station. You know, I've watched zero practice. Uh, my co-host has not stuck a microphone in anyone's face. You know, like the, the beat writers, I really feel for the more I learn about their job. You know, he used to love and was great at practice ends. You go find a guy that's up and coming. You you do a story on him. You're the only one in the in the city that has that, you know, that inf- information. You know, somebody that caught your eye that might make the team a couple of years before he's a household name. And now it's like, okay, we're going to give you a Chase Claypool today and everybody's going to do a story on the same guy. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you can weird. already feel yeah. how different this season's going to be instead of like yeah. that errant pass from the backup quarterback almost hitting you while you're doing your, your radio show, right? Now you don't have no, that yelling access. and screaming in the background, right? <laughs> yeah, and I love that. I love seeing those those shows where there's someone by the booth and something weird happens, a player runs by, and um, you don't get that. You don't get to see that, and, and we're, we're going to miss that in this run-up to the season. We're not going to get to overanalyze preseason games because there's not going to be any preseason games. We're not going to be able to overanalyze those camp battles from players in camp and like, so-and-so looks great, and move them up two rounds too far in, in your fantasy <laughs> Football right, drafts. Right. Uh, that That is an unfortunate part of this, and you can already see how this year is going to be much different. And I think a lot of the reports from beat writers are going to be very similar. So what kind of edge can you get in your fantasy league? What kind of angle can you find when it comes to a football team win? So there's going to be maybe a pool reporter or this, all the same you know, reporters talking to the same player. Uh, it's going to be odd. It's going to be very different. It's going to be very different. And I say that because I want our consumers, our listeners, to realize that's how the process is working. And I don't think NFL teams are going to let you say, ooh, Phillip Rivers was 19 of 21 throwing the ball today in practice. <laughs> Another thing I used to make make me crazy because he's in shorts and a T-shirt with no pass rush. Yeah. And he should complete passes. It was funny. There was this really awful practice in 49ers camp last year where Jimmy Garoppolo threw like five interceptions and it was the biggest yeah, deal right. yeah. and everyone's freaking out about it. It made national news. And of course the 49ers end up going to the Super Bowl. So um, that right. kind of stuff is fun. And and even when you know, it doesn't matter that much, just having the report and knowing something's happening, the players are playing football and uh, that that's a fun aspect of training camp that we're not going to have much of this year. 
Right. And I miss it. And, and to be very honest, I mean, this week has really missed the, that interaction. I mean, I, I've lived in the dorm the last couple of years and you hear the practices and Coach Solomon walks by. I mean, like, it's just a much different environment. And oh, by the way, Sharky's our favorite watering hole misses us too. You know, like, he's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that, the, the important the things. Yeah. The important stuff hasn't Absolutely. been there. I just go home like every other night, you know. You know what I did yesterday? And it's something that didn't really dawn on me. I'm not a big golfer or anything. And our, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just like missing physical activity and the gyms are closed. I don't really like going to the gym anyway, but I'm, I'm just kind of almost tired now of riding my bike and running around the neighborhood in the same jogging the same because I, I, I'm like a dog. I need a ball to go chase, you know, and I realized, <laughs> oh, man, golf courses are open. So I went to the driving range. I'm not a golfer. I haven't golfed in like two years, but I have some clubs. Okay. I was like, oh, man, I can go to the driving range. I went to the driving range and, you know, you're six feet apart, at least from somebody that wasn't really anybody out there. And I was hitting golf balls and I was like, oh, man, I might have to uh, I might knock a few. Um, I might knock a little bit off of my golf score and get my handicap lowered because uh, there's something that I can do now. So uh, I might be out at the at the driving range quite a bit because it's about the only thing it's I can one. do right now. Yeah. Uh, as you were saying that, I'm like, I bet batting cages are picking up too. You can do the same yeah, thing. Go absolutely. hit balls for a while or, you know, right now, any of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, good work. Good news for Buffalo Bills fans, Matt, because Tredavious White will not opt out. There were rumors whispers that he was considering opting out for the season that would have been the biggest star player I think that would have opted out and he did not we talked about it yesterday that we started recording about an hour before the deadline and there wasn't really any massive late star power that opted out right before that deadline there were 67 I think at last count total players opting out and we had already seen all the big ones earlier in the process you know it was uh uh, Duvernay Tardif was the first one that kind of got it rolling. And then I think the two biggest ones were probably linebackers, CJ Mosley for the Jets and Dante Hightower for the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, the, the pie, the Patriots all got hit once, you know, four or five noticeable names. Chiefs had a couple Damian Williams, like you mentioned. Um, but you know, since we got together last, nothing really happened and it would be a lot easier for us to create content if somebody decided not to opt out. Well, who's his backup? What kind of scheme changes are they going to make? Yeah. But I'm very happy that no quarterback or tier one type defensive player like a Davis White, I mean, that could have almost ruined the Bills season. Yeah. I mean, like he's that important because they're searching for a number two corner, um, giving Josh Norman a, a shot, and White's going to follow number ones a lot. They're a defensive-oriented team. I know Aaron Donald's better than Tredavis White, but it would almost bend to that degree where it's like, oh, well, we won't have much of a shot anymore. And a really high percentage of the players who opted out were probably roster bubble types anyway. I mm-hmm. think some people were like, oh, man, uh, you know, I better not risk oh. it. I can take a 150 k home this season, maybe give it, a, give it a go again next year when everything's normal. Or some high risk players getting three fifty k, and you know the high risk players. I completely understand. It's like, oh man, I, you know, I can I can get a little bit of money here, come back play next year. Just make sure, make sure. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of roster bubble players among those sixty seven. That's hundred percent true. Which is probably the smart financial business decision. You know, give me the money, and I won't go to camp, and maybe I'll get in the XFL next year or something like that. Who knows? And there yeah. also was a lot of huge body nose tackle types, which I think that that body type is probably more at risk. And fortunately in the NFL world, you can go get a nose. You can call Brandon Mebane up and he could plug the middle for 10 plays a game. I'm somewhat shocked that I haven't heard about any coaches that opted out. 
I know. I wonder if it's too. sort of like just just the attitude of a coach. It's it's such a no no to quit on your team, and I wonder if they're trying to set an example or you know just the way you're 100%. wired if you're a coach. Because I would assume there's a lot more high risk coaches than players. Absolutely, I, I think that is it. You know that this is a massive generalization, and I don't mean it to be, but all, almost all those dudes played football back in the era when you were a wuss if you drank water. You know, like it was a different right. era when they played and uh, they've been doing this so long. They know uh, no other way. They're used to being out of the house. I bet their wives are like, would you go back to work? I've never had you home this long. <laughs> and, <laughs> and where I was going with it is though, like even my, that year with the Browns where I had, a job every day. I mean, I set my agenda. I'm going to watch this much tape. You never, ever wanted to be the guy that was first or second out of the building. Like if Butch Davis were to walk past my room, my, my office, and it's empty, be like, I'm probably going to hear about that tomorrow. Like, and, and I thought that was really dumb, to be honest with you. Like if my job's done, I'm not going to, sometimes I would sit there as the new guy going, I'm waiting for a couple people to leave before I go home. You know, it's just that <laughs> yeah. mentality, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and in a way, you're probably hurting your production because you're not really yeah. helping yourself after right. a certain point. Get home and put your feet up and relax and come back fresh tomorrow and kick butt, you know? All right, Matt, we've got some overflow Twitter Thursday questions that I think we should talk about today. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of people that are ranking things a lot of different ways around the NFL world. There's one from The Athletic that is interesting, and it ties into one of our Twitter questions, so we'll get into some of that. Real quick, I got a quick tease, too, oh, because yeah. what I'm working on as we speak are my edge rusher rankings. Mm-hmm. I thought safeties were hard. Holy cow, are edge rushers hard. I mean, I'm going to leave. I'm not sure if D Ford's going to make the list and he's a great player. I mean, there's so many when you start putting them to paper. I mean, just to give you an example. So boy, am I going to get a lot of heat whenever we do those? Oh, absolutely. That's going to be a fun list. I can't wait to see how you rank them because there's, I I think there's a clear couple at the very top maybe, but even there, it's it's hard. hard. Like for the first 12 or so, even there's a lot. I'm having a hard time ranking Bosa versus Bosa and Watt versus Watt. (laughs) Yeah. Which Bosa do you think? (laughs) Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. I can't wait for that one. And uh, that'll be coming up next week at some point. I'm not sure what day, but uh, Matt Williamson's edge rankings. You'll also be able to find those at profootballnetwork.com, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Soon. I I haven't haven't finished them. That'll be my project over the weekend. Awesome. Okay. More Locked On NFL coming up. Folks, I got to admit, I am not very handy. I don't know a lot about cars. I respect people that do. And frankly, I'm very envious because... I mean, the money you can save with a product like rockauto.com and being able to do things yourself and create the exact car you want is something that I would love. I mean, I'm, I just don't have that skill set, to be honest with you. And rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for your auto and body parts needs from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to fall, you know, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. So go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. 
write locked on in their how did you hear us box so they know that we sent you. That'll help us a great deal. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We've got a question here from Brian, and it ties into our conversation there. And I haven't heard anything about this. I don't know if you have. And Brian says, if there's a cure or treatment for COVID-19 and fans can be at full capacity, will players who have opted out be able to return this season or are the opt-outs permanent for the season no matter what? I haven't heard if they're able to come back. I would assume the stipulation would be that they could not come back just to make sure the players who are opting out are serious about it. Because if there was an option to come back, I think more players would have opted out. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that better than anyone out there listening. I mean, but my initial thoughts were if you opt out you're done you know i mean that there's not a provision that hey we have a cure you can come back because hey all these gms and teams had to you know make their bed without you there and had to figure things out and then you come back and that poor guy that took your spot gets cut and i think if you're out you should be out i don't know the rule though and i don't think the process of a vaccine is going to go fast enough for a full capacity of of fans this year you're hoping for that to happen for next year maybe maybe enough for some players to have felt more comfortable by the end of the year Um, but I think there actually is and I know I didn't see any final reports on what the details are but they were discussing the option for players to continue to opt out in certain high-risk situations if somebody developed something or something like that or, or somebody's situation changed I think there is potential for even though the deadline is passed in some circumstances for some players to opt out later in the season. That would be good. I mean, if somebody gets sick or if a condition arises, you should be able to go to some board and be like, Hey, I I need to make an exemption or, or, you know, something out of the ordinary. Okay. You're, we'll give you the stamp of approval. It's better that you you opt out. You're, you know, that would make sense. Here's one from Joshua. If you could bring any former player and coach, living or dead, to your bar for a drink or do a podcast with them, who would it be? Mm. Who you got? I'm sure Walsh should be high on your list. Bill Walsh I'm not gonna is make definitely, it, yeah. yeah, that's the one that immediately comes to mind just because he's not around anymore and so much knowledge to share. Um, he does have a couple of books that he wrote, which is nice, so so you can get into his head a little bit, but uh, that would be obviously, uh, you know, as a guy uh, who's been around the 49ers, covers the 49ers, grew up a 49ers fan here, in California, that would be easily the number one for me. Uh, definitely, I'd be looking for mostly dead people, right? People who, they, they, that can right. no longer share their Heard stories. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to stay away from Steelers, um, but Walsh should be very, very high on my list. And would just like to pick his brain about how things came about, football stuff. I still think it's Belichick. I mean, Belichick's so mysterious and is... I would love for him to tell me where the bodies are buried. Right. And with his guard down, because you're never right, going to get right. that in a public setting. And you've seen some, what was the, what was the show they did? I think it was on, was it ESPN or NFL network recently where he kind of let his guard down a little bit and had some conversations. Um, you're seeing a little more of it lately yeah. as he's getting, you know, later in life or even the thing he did with Saban, but where they're both just kind of, that's the one. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure who my player would be. I'm sure there's a long, long list, but I would pick coaches and GMs and minds over phenomenal running backs or pass rushers or something. Lawrence Taylor might be pretty high on my list. Yeah. How about Pat Tillman? Ah, wow. 
That would be a good one. I'm, I'm too football dorky to pick him, though. Yeah. <laughs> I respect I'm not, I'm not cutting on the guy. Obviously, I respect him, but it would be some stud player. Jim LT Brown. would be pretty fun. Yeah. And Jim Brown, actually, he has no clue who I am, but for a week, his office was right next to mine. Oh, wow. Yeah. You didn't go sneak peek your head in? Hey, what's up, Jim? He, he wasn't there very okay. much. <laughs> <laughs> Our director of pro personnel got let go before all of us. And then Jim Brown's name went up on the that office right next to mine. And I saw him going in and out and introduced myself. But uh, it wasn't like he was in there grinding tape 100 hours a week. Joshua had a couple of good questions here. And it's kind of a two-parter. So I'm going to continue with Joshua since we had a good time talking about his first one there. Uh, he said, what receiver, what wide receiver would you have drafted at number 28 if you were Green Bay and didn't select Jordan Love? And then he asks if the Packers should trade for Keenan Allen. If so, what would that cost be for the Chargers if they wow. decide they want to shift gears and rebuild midseason? Hmm. I could see Allen being somebody that could become available if they're one and five, two and six right. in that neighborhood. And they, go to the to young, they go to the young quarterback. And if you're Keenan Allen, you would probably go into management and be like, yeah, you know what? I don't know if I need to be here through this. So feel free. Right. You know, it might be one of those situations. I think right now the Chargers mindset is nowhere near that. They, they think they're going to do something this year. And they, they've mm -hmm. got a really good defense at least. And I'm interested to see what that Tyrod Taylor led offense looks like. Yeah, and they do have a lot of guys that are going to be free agents after the year, so maybe they can get Allen off the books to keep Ingram or something along those lines. So maybe that's something that does come to fruition. I'm thinking a third-round pick at this stage, you know, at the trade deadline, something along those lines, and he would fit in very well there. Probably get a two. Mohamed Sanu went for a two last year, right? And I would spend more right. on Keenan Allen. Yeah, I mean, you'd much rather have Allen than Sanu. Yeah. Patriots overpaid for him, but yeah. they also knew the Patriots were going to pick super late. I mean, at that point, um, I really liked Mims and Chenault of guys that were mm -hmm. still there. And I know Mims went late, but I'm not sure that's exactly what they're looking for, though. I think they're looking for more of a West Coast style receiver. There were you some know? rumors that the Packers liked Brandon Ayuk quite a bit. And it was part of the reason I think the 49ers traded from 31 to 25 yeah. to go get Ayuk. So if he was there... But then here's the thing, because a lot of people thought it was the Packers, but the Packers were obviously going to trade up and, and draft Jordan Love, even if Ayuk was still on the board. But maybe if Lord or if um, if Love went and Ayuk was still there, maybe they did like him, but they didn't like him more than Love. So um, it's not like they were going to trade up for Ayuk instead of Love at that point. I don't think in the draft, so that might have been overrated a little bit. Um, Pittman, I know Higgins went shortly after, but I yeah. wouldn't do cartwheels over Higgins in that offense. Pittman went at the beginning of round two. Um, I'm a big Pittman believer. Yeah, he'd fit in there pretty well too. Mm -hmm. Run slants. And yeah, and that's for some reason they love size there. Because so I could have yeah. seen that been. Although I feel like they need something different. Actually, I know. But breaking tackles, I think Pittman would be a good fit. But yeah. I don't disagree with you. Mims would I mean, have been even fun like, because Mims' ability on the sideline down the field for Aaron Rodgers early in his mm -hmm. career, while, while he developed the rest of his route tree, I would have liked that one quite different than Adams, you know, yeah. he's a field stretcher. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that either. I, I thought Mims was a steal as late as he went. Okay, here we go. Here's one from Jacob. He called, this is a no, no. He called his own question, a fun question. Like Jacob, that slow down, man. We will tell you if it's a fun question or not. Okay. Uh, he we says, did pick it though. <laughs> it was, Hey, you know what? You were right. It was a fun question. He said, fun <laughs> question. We have the new breed of NFL cornerstone franchises in Kansas city, Seattle, San Francisco, Baltimore being at the top. Which couple of teams can turn the corner and let's say within three years be that next powerhouse team 
My money is on Tampa Bay, Miami, Arizona, and Indianapolis. Right away, Jacob, I'm going to say Tampa Bay, they're good on defense. They have a lot of, um, they have some powerhouse players on offense as well, but this is, I think it's a short, I mean, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, are they even going to be there in three years? So I don't know if the next, yeah. the next powerhouse. They wouldn't have been my choice. One or two years, maybe, but looking three years down the road, uh, I, I don't know how that's going to end. I think they're all in for right now. Miami certainly comes to mind. Uh, I think Indy is a very analytic-driven team. I mean, and they don't have—I don't think they have their quarterback though. Um, I, I'm kind of listening, you know, the way he's talking, like Miami or like Baltimore and Philly, very analytically-driven teams is what I'm thinking. You know, so new wave thinkers. Mm-hmm. That's not Tampa, and they don't have their next quarterback, so I can't lump them in that in that mold. The other three he mentions, hmm. though, Miami, Arizona, Indianapolis, I think those are three really good candidates. Miami and Indy I like a lot, too, but I think they're going to have to find their quarterback, so that's not easy, right. and they're probably not going to pick in the top five. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Arizona's super forward-thinking. I'm not saying that they're in the Stone Ages or anything, but that offense, I guess, is sort of original. They have a, a high quarterback that I would build around. I'm going to kick that one around a little How bit about more. the Patriots when Matthew Stafford gets traded to New England next year? And, you know, or Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> they have their eight opt-outs this year. Then they come back, yeah, with Rodgers or Stafford. And Belichick goes through the process one more time. Bunch of cap space. Yeah. I mean, if Josh Allen's somebody you believe in, I think the Bills are in that conversation. Oh, well built. Yeah, Bills, that's a good one. If uh, Yeah. Josh Allen's a tough one because is, is he going to turn into Trubisky and sort of regress or not progress like like everyone expects? Um, I think he's already better than Trubisky, obviously. But Trubisky, even last year at this time, I still had a little bit of hope for him. Me too. Me too. I think you could see Allen taking that career path, and that's scary to me. And I lean towards more the negative with him than the positive. But there's also loads of ability. And if he turns the corner this year, they'll be a very, very strong team. Let's finish up this Friday episode of Locked On NFL coming up. We've got another two-parter here, this one from Screamin' A. He says, Matt, as a former scout, what traits do you value most when scouting college-wide receivers? It seems to me the route runner specialists have an easier time transitioning to the next level than the deep threat and possession specialist receivers. He took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I think good route runners come in the league and are certainly a leg up the number one thing and it's hard to find is it's almost like running backs in protection it's not necessarily the thing you want most but it can really keep you off the field is ability to beat man coverage you know that these guys are so good pressing receivers at the line and guys in big 12 don't see that you know i mean it's hard to find snaps of college tape of quality corners long arms pressing these dudes at the line and because the offensive linemen are at such a disadvantage right now against defensive linemen long developing routes aren't going to cut it you know you need to get open quick and that's a lot of the receivers that don't make it that's a big reason why I think you nailed it with that running back comparison so running backs right wide receivers um, pass rushers even can you win dirty what happens when you're no longer that much faster, that much more athletic than the guys you're playing against. When everyone else catches up to you athletically, can you still win? Can you win dirty? Can you make catches over the middle and not drop the ball? Can you get off the line of scrimmage as a wide receiver? Can you run through arm tackles as a running back? 
Can you pass protect as a running back? Can you win with both speed and power? Are you a technician as a pass rusher? Sometimes those things take a while. For running backs, a lot of this stuff's a little bit more natural. For wide receivers and pass rushers, I think you can see why those two positions might take a little bit of time. And so players who already have some technique down are obviously you know a year ahead of the other guys. Yeah. Um, a buddy of mine lived like three doors away. Mark Angel was by far the best athlete during our grade school years. And then everybody hit puberty and Mark kind of fell apart. You know, like it's that, it's that theory, you know, like (laughs) he was better than everybody. He was first pick in the playground. Didn't matter what sport it was. And then everybody hit seventh grade and started growing. It wasn't like he didn't, but all of a sudden he became just an average dude. You know, I see that a lot. And, and it's, it's almost, it's insane how, much of a career a player can build off of being an overgrown 14, 15 year old, right? You get on the recruiting, right. you get on the recruiting radar early and now all of a sudden you are you a, path. a big time recruit. Now you have a path to go to school and play in college. And then I read a lot of NFL cause I don't follow college and recruiting that much. Uh, when I watch college football, it's straight from the lens of how are these players going to transition to the NFL? I don't have rooting interest in any college team. The college I went to San Francisco state didn't have a football team Not a by the time I got there. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I see on NFL scouting reports, five-star recruit, I, I, and this player is more of a late-round pick, I say, that's a, a red flag. That's not a, yeah, oh, right. hey. And I think usually when that's written in a scouting report, it's written as, hey, this guy's got potential. He's a five-star recruit. And that tells me, no, this guy is already proven. I want the skinny kid who was under-recruited that became something big. You know, DeVar- DeMarcus Ware, who was a 160-pound wide receiver. All of a sudden, he's a 245-pound mean pass rusher by the time he's a senior in college that's what i'm looking for uh, more so than the guys who underachieved because they were over recruited because they were bigger than everybody else when they were 15 years old so you do see a lot of that as well that's a great point because a lot of times and i'm guilty of it you get excited you read a, a guy's scouting report from the nfl draft and in the positive columns it says five-star recruit great yeah. athlete and you're like ooh, my coaches will get a hold of him and bring it all out yeah well, his college coaches thought that too and didn't, you know, like <laughs> exactly we've right. been down this road. Mm-hmm. Another one from screaming. A, he, he says uh, one more back in 2013, then lions head coach, Jim Schwartz said that playing cornerback is the most difficult position to play in all of sports. Do you agree with his take? Wow. In all of sports, it's very difficult because it's so reactionary, you know, I mean, I often talk about the huge discrepancy that defensive linemen have over offensive linemen, but to a lesser degree right now, I think wide receivers are much better than the people covering them in NFL history. And I think a lot of it is if you're a six, one 190 pound five-star recruit, you'd rather catch passes than tackle people. You know, that's only natural. You'd be the star and more people be going that direction. And there's more three and four receiver sets. And the rules are being skewed to help the offensive passing game too, whether it's hitting quarterbacks or getting your hands on wide receivers. And I think we're seeing mm-hmm. why the league is going less toward everyone's just straight up man on man. It's so hard. There's a lot of confusion, confusion going on from the defense. They're, they're um, showing you different looks to try to confuse the offense. Don't let them know what you're doing. A lot of teams are, are running pure um, zone defenses now a lot more than they used to, to try to take that off cornerbacks plates. So yes and no, it, it is very difficult. And, Obviously, Very you're at the disadvantage because the offense knows what you're doing and you don't. You've got to cover one of the most athletic players on the field, but they're being asked less and less to do that. And we're seeing fewer and fewer like people trying to attempt to be shut down 
cornerbacks. So it's almost easier to play the position now because of the way they're scheming it up on defense. But it is one of the toughest. I think there's something to that when he said that in 2013. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to it. I don't know if it would get my vote. I mean, um, quarterback's harder. It's, yeah, but quarterback's still more it, difficult. Yeah, I mean, is a hockey goalie harder? Is there some sport that I don't know as being a professional golfer? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, but it, there is a trend that rookie corners get picked on. And I think that is logical and rarely do they change the, the league's mind that you shouldn't pick on me during my rookie year. Most corners have a tough time when they're starters as rookies. You know, even if you're Jeff Akuda, I mean, if you're one of the top guys, it's really tough. It's a tough, tough transition. This question kind of ties into one we had earlier from Tom. He said, which team do you feel most differently about now compared to the day after the Super Bowl?" And uh, you sent me a link to an article on the athletic and it broke things down. It wasn't team-wise, but it was offense and defensive ranks. And they ranked where they ranked this year, but then also listed where they ranked last year. And I was just looking through this, and I thought it interesting because the ones that had the biggest changes here were the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, offensive rank was 13th last year. They jumped to 7th, and the Colts went from 19th to number 8. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the Cardinals are the 7th best offense, though. I mean, I think it's better, and I think Hopkins is a great addition, and I'm excited about Kyler, and I like the direction that team's going, but I don't think they're a contender all of a sudden. I'll probably pick them to be fourth in that very difficult division when it's all said and done, and I also don't love Rivers, but I'm not sure who my answer would be. There's a couple other ones, too. The Pittsburgh Steelers went from 32nd to 15th. But that's all for one reason. <laughs> yeah, that's all been, you know, been right. Yeah. Obviously, the team we saw last in Pittsburgh was struggling and with the worst offense in the league now i think they're a contender so yeah they're probably the most different the lions sort of fit that mold too like the the last view of the lions we saw was bad and now they're you know i think a good offense and a respectable team actually uh, as far as the offense goes pittsburgh is the biggest jump they jumped half the league there from 32 to 15 uh tampa bay obviously is a big one too on this list went from 22 to 11 yeah i don't have one team though that i'm Boy, I'm way more excited about them because of the offseason. Struggling on that one. Maybe in the other direction, we talked about it yesterday, actually, the Patriots and Jets. Minnesota is another one that I think had a rough offseason. You know, you're not very high on the Packers either. They're in the NFC Championship game, and I think you have them at 19 or something. But I wasn't high on them then. I mean, Packer fans used to kill me. I would say things like this is the worst 10 and two team I've ever seen or, you know, <laughs> and so my <laughs> tune hasn't changed. They won a lot of games, but I think they're just an above average team where I look at the Vikes and be like, man, they, they got hit pretty hard this off season. Yeah. Vikings this is a good one that I could back. easily see them being in the bottom half of the league after being a team that was uh, in the divisional round of the playoffs last year. Here's another one, the bears. Uh, I mean, and it's easy just to point to the quarterbacks, but I think they have one playmaker on offense. I think they have a really bad offensive line. Like they may pick in the top five. Trending in the wrong direction for sure there. And and at some point for teams, they either get it and they figure it out or it falls apart. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few teams we just mentioned there that it might be going the other direction. Although the Packers though, uh, I'm way higher in the Packers than you. I think we're going to see a a pissed off Aaron Rodgers revenge tour in 2020. So (laughs) I I, very possible. Yeah. I think they, I, I still have them winning the North there. 
But just like last year, I think a lot of people would say the Browns are trending in the right direction. But it seems like yes. we say that every year. Yeah, and, the Browns were you know, last year's version of what a lot of people are, are looking at the Arizona Cardinals this year. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not put the cart before the horse quite yet. That organization hasn't won a thing in 20 years. All right, Matt, we're out of time here. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for those questions. We got almost two full podcasts out of uh, those questions, so some really good ones. Always appreciate everybody getting involved. And hopefully we get more reports out of camps. We'll be covering all of that next week. We'll have some guests. Uh, we'll do it all again. It's going to be fun. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. You can always hit me on Twitter, at BD Peacock. Find Matt at Williamson NFL. You don't have to wait until Thursday to hit us with those Twitter questions either. Yeah, good point. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk to you next week right here, Locked on NFL.